0: Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and I'm the founder and CEO of CollabTalk. You're listening to the CollabTalk Podcast. This episode was recorded in November 2019 and is a discussion with Eric Hartland, Susan Lennon and Andy Hundecutt on building community. Excellent. Well, we're here at Ignite 2019 in Orlando, Florida. This is okay. Christian Buckley with the Collab Talk Podcast. And I, I've got a cast of thousands here. Why don't we, inter- <laughs> my, my left, let's let's kind of do the introductions down the row.
1: Yeah, Eric Harlan, uh, PFE for Microsoft, 10 years now, uh, in the community 10 even years longer. already, it wow. It has been 10 years, yeah. You'd think I'd be VP of something by now, right?
0: Well, I remember having those conversations where you're, you're like, you know, Christian, should I do this? Yeah. yeah. I remember we had that, the experience of what's it like living
1: in Seattle. So good advice, by the way, because yeah. you told me to go ahead and go for it. But I don't live in Seattle. So I know, and
0: I said I, said, I, I recommended for you. Knowing you, yeah. I, I said, you know, uh, out in the field would probably be your preference. I think, I think you agree with that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I'm still in the field. Um, I'm a lead of a pod maybe a terrible name, but uh, it's essentially. Dolphin related. Yes, very okay. dolphin or whale, that's fine. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a group of engineers who are dedicated to a set of customers. So same model as DSE, uh, where you would have one engineer dedicated to one customer for one workload. Mm-hmm. Now it's all 365-related workloads as a group um, dedicated to customers. So uh, that's pretty cool. we got 10 really high-end Fortune 50 companies that we support for 365 and onboarding and getting things up and running. Excellent.
0: Well, I'm sure we'll come back to some of that like the Microsoft perspective sure. of some of the some of the community building. But Susan.
2: Okay, I'm Susan Lennon. I'm a retired principal consultant with Microsoft, part-time consultant now. But I spend most of my time working in community, Um, one of the original co-founders of SharePoint Saturday, run SharePoint Saturday Virginia Beach, and we're running the SharePoint Saturday booth here at Ignite, so real happy to be here. Susan
0: thinks that she's here participating in the community by choice. What she doesn't know is that we've actually secured um, some legal precedents and things around uh, (laughs) ensuring that she remains uh, for the rest of her life within community. (laughs) (laughs) And then Andy.
3: Uh, I'm Andy Honeycutt. Uh, I do not work for Microsoft. Uh, I'm a SharePoint guy. Um, Neither do I. High five. <laughs> well,
2: I don't any longer. Oh, that's
3: right. Okay. <laughs> oh, I poor have stopped. Me. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> so um, I actually work with uh, ASP Training out of uh, Cary, North Carolina, and I also have my own company, Upskill Tech Incorporated. Um, I do training, consulting, um, and everything in between. I help uh, organize and run the Charlotte area SharePoint user group and uh, Charlotte SharePoint Saturday, which I think you actually participated in Charlotte before I participated yeah, in uh, Charlotte. that was
0: one of my early SharePoint Saturday experiences, which uh, well, I, we'll talk about here in a minute, but uh, you know, the, the back in the beginnings, I think
3: it was like 2010 when that first one that I went to in that area. I'm not sure how many we've actually done at this point, I know um, I've been involved since 2014. I got in the leadership role there around 2015, and have been working heavily with that community, but also other communities like uh, helping out here at uh, Ignite with the SharePoint Saturdays booth. Um, so, like. 2014 was kind of my onboarding experience yeah. with that. So. Well,
0: what's interesting here is so we just kind of jumped in and started talking about SharePoint Saturday, we're really talking about the broader t- the topic of community building. We had an unconference event uh, that you know, yesterday here at uh, the Ignite conference, uh, and where we got in and talked about kind of every topic. We went down literally a list, uh, and for a little over an hour kind of went through, and I said, you know, this is, some great content that came out of that and perspectives and I'd like to cover that within this recording. Well, I will say, just pause here for a second. Uh, one thing I just want to cover here for all the podcasts that are being recorded this week here at Microsoft Ignite. Uh, Microsoft is giving away, so for all of you listeners out there, is giving away Microsoft Surface earbuds to the listeners and you can uh, enter and uh, by visiting aka.ms slash podcast uh, it, 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 oh, it is URL's case, uh, uh, oh it's case insensitive. Why do you even need to put it that it's insensitive? <laughs> just don't list it. Uh, so just podcast sweepstakes is the, uh, the shortened URL for that. Uh, go take a look at that and you need to register before December 15th of 2019. And uh, having said that, so let's, let's talk about, um, because here we are at a Microsoft event, we have all been organizers and leaders within the SharePoint Saturday phenomenon. And you know, so we have two of the founders of SharePoint Saturday, uh, that have the movement here, Eric and Susan. Talk about kind of the beginnings of it. Like, how did it come
1: together? Oh, well, you, you, you were there a few steps before me. So yes. You, you so, go for
2: it. Uh, Michael Lauder and I, pretty much back in the 2008, 2007, 2008 days, were running up and down mostly East Coast to SQL Saturdays and code camps speaking on SharePoint, because we had both been in it for a couple of years. We were sort of looked upon as a stepchild, right? Particularly in, among developers and folks. And we knew that it, amongst our customer bases that there was a lot of interest at SharePoint and then it was growing. And we're like, well, why don't we? Because we were also running individual user groups and we, we had experience pulling together speakers and getting venues and the kind of things we were talking about, what you need to do to run a community event. And we had attended a number of code camps and I'd been helping in the Richmond Code Camp and the Nova Code Camp, Northern Virginia mm-hmm. Code Camp, things like that. So we just kind of decided, hey, we were at a user group meeting, sitting down and going, why don't we do a SharePoint Saturday? And Michael and I both just jumped on it. Kevin Israel registered the URL and the domain name. And we both got busy, Michael doing New York City, I do in Virginia Beach. My event and venue just happened to be available sooner, so we had the very first one in January of 2009, and it's been going strong. I mean, through the US, right, I mean, it was really hot for you. I mean, you almost had to beat sponsors away back in the Moss days, and the, those days when SharePoint was super, super hot. Um, but as the years have gone on, and the US has not maintained that growth that we had had, internationally we have, yeah. and Eric has been more involved in the international side of things and bringing on folks there, but it continues to go, and I think largely because, number one, we have no money, there's no funding. Um, so it is. P- it
0: truly is community-driven, it's, it's 100%, volunteers. 100 right.
3: right, yep. Repeat um, after me, <laughs> <laughs> we have no budget and <laughs> limited resources. <laughs> 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 so that's our mantra. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, but um, it's become Quite well known. I mean, I, I've been to a number of big nights at SharePoint conferences where Jeff Teeper calls us out you know, and, and has had the map of where our events are. For those that are. don't know,
0: Jeff Teeper, Corporate Vice President, uh, is, is kind of the godfather of SharePoint, uh, so I know he has an expanded role of marketing over Microsoft right. 365 now, but uh, yeah, very supportive of the SharePoint Saturday movement.
2: Yeah, so we're at 11 years, I'd say. A little more if you yeah. count the planning, but a lot of people have almost built their careers through these kinds of events and becoming well-known. A lot of people have gained MVP status, a lot have gone on and moved on to Microsoft. So, um, but it's a model that applies to things outside of SharePoint, right? Right. Whether it's a user group, code camps, dev camps.
0: Well, I mean, you you stole the idea from SQL Saturday, and I don't know how long SQL Saturdays were running, a long time before that. And there have been other, like I've run events that were based on that same model as SharePoint Saturday, volunteer-based, minimal budget uh, uh, you know uh, you know pull together community driven and has been very successful uh, so so that, that's kind of the history the beginnings of that and uh, you know every every technology area um, you know has in, in regional area has its right the ebbs and flows it grows it's it shrinks we had kind of a revival in the SharePoint World uh, a couple of years ago with the uh, the virtual summit and there's a lot of excitement again around SharePoint now around Teams and uh, you know, those technologies. But kind of what are the driving forces? Let me get this perspective. The driving forces to to move from user group to like this small event because some of the same principles can be applied at the user group as you can at doing an annual or or twice a year event like in some regions.
2: Well, I think part of it is user groups tend to be people, in my opinion, who are more dedicated to the networking and getting to know their community more intimately, where there are many who go to the, like a SharePoint Saturday or a SQL Saturday as a training event. So while you get networking and things like that, I think a lot of people look at it as, it's something closer to my community, I'm not having to travel, I'm not having to spend bucks, but I can get that kind of training without going to Las Vegas or, you know, where a bigger event might be and spending the money. So you get somewhat of a different clientele, although that being said, I would say probably nearly 100% of your user group would be at the, the conference type event as well. But a large part of them are going to be volunteering and assisting to put on that bigger reach out to the community and that kind of thing. And part of what, at least for SQL Saturdays and SharePoint Saturdays, part of the, The goal, when there is a user group, is to make the community aware of that user group and that it's there and help drive membership to the user groups. Like many may not even have known about it, that kind of thing, so there's definitely a...
1: The other thing is um, the, the whole idea for SharePoint Saturday when it initially started was being able to serve communities from a technical perspective that might not have the big name speakers flying the through underserved the underserved communities. The underserved, yes. right? Bend, you know, Oregon was a great example.
2: Yeah. <laughs> was so is Virginia Beach yeah, that's and that's right. Ozarks. Yeah.
1: I use that loosely. I mean, I, I know it's kind of silly, but at the times when uh, SharePoint specifically was hot, I know we're talking a lot about SharePoint, but the model has broadened since and I'm sure we'll get into that. But um, there were a lot of these conference speakers that were going around at at these events and doing the same types of sessions they were doing at a SharePoint conference where there was thousands and thousands of people. So you get into these underserved communities where folks could not travel, or they didn't have the resources to travel, or they couldn't get off work, or they couldn't get away from the kids to go spend time. You know, at a, at a couple thousand people conference for a week, and you have the same content coming in there, um, but at a, a more personalized level. You know, you're only talking to a 30-person room versus 300-person room. So that that so you was can actually good. ask questions, get yeah. answers, that
0: kind yeah. of stuff.
2: And get to know the speakers, right? Right. And have lunch with them and that kind of thing. And to the underserved part, not only geographically, but like when we started SharePoint Saturday, back in those days, there was a lot of training available for IT pros and there was training for developers. There wasn't training for dev users, there wasn't training for power users, there wasn't training for project leaders and that kind of thing. So that's another thing that the model supports is pick your interest. For instance, one of the things we actually did because our venue was provided by the city public schools. Mm-hmm. We did a track for educators. Mm-hmm. So they had custom SharePoint sites. So we had somebody come in and train on their custom sites to the teachers because it was specific to our region. And that kind of stuff. So it should be serving the community and be more local.
3: I, I like that, um, uh, serving the community, because I think most of us are of service to the community. We like uh, contributing to the community, whether it's blogs or, you know, Podcast or videocasts or books or whatever. I also think SharePoint Saturday is a celebration of the community. So it's that one time that we can all get together and we're gonna learn something and we're gonna have fun, but it's a celebration of the community. We get to interact with some of the people that we follow online and we get to see them in person and we get to go to a SharePoint afterward and socialize and network. And um, so it, it, it kind of gives back to the community in a fun uh, a fun way and it brings us all together. The user group meetings tend to, you have your core, and they're, those are the people that are there like almost every meeting. And then there are the people that kind of come yeah. and go of the topic's yeah, interesting. The topic or speaker. Or, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But a SharePoint Saturday is like, there's so many topics and different tracks and different speakers, it brings in a much bigger audience. And so it's that one time a year that we can get together and celebrate the community while learning and engaging.
0: You know, that's something that I've, I, I, so I've had, and I'm sure you've all seen this too, mm-hmm. is that there's sometimes, uh, so it's frustrating when you have an event. And the speakers who, on their own dime, at these SharePoint Saturdays, the SQL Saturdays, but then hide in the speaker room the entire time and aren't re- doing the, the the community engagement side of that. So, uh, you know, there there sometimes is. And then the other there, there's that perspective. And then there's the we have this thing called SharePoint, um, which is just you know drinks afterwards. You don't have to drink adult beverages to participate. Go have milk or a soda, whatever. They serve mocktails. <laughs> there, there, there you go. Um, but that you don't have, uh, you know, it's always different, different regions and stuff. But it's it's usually like all of the speakers and a handful of attendees, if that. Right. It, and and so there's it seems like, again, my perspective, there's a bis- bit of a disconnect on that side in both of those those places. So, what can we do, and what can organizers, what can user groups and and event organizers do more to bridge that gap?
2: Advertise it better. I mean, we put it in our opening keynote, we put it in our closing keynote. It's up on our website about it, so people should know. I guess maybe one thing we could do following years is maybe put pictures up from prior share pints, and let people know, you know, what's what it's about and but why is we're going there. But is a responsibility
0: as an organizer do you specifically have this conversation with uh, with speakers coming in saying like, "Hey, we're looking to you guys to participate and be be proactively, you know, reaching out and connecting with attendees, is that?
2: Well, different ones do different things. So some organiza- some events actually have the ask me anything mm-hmm. kind of a session. Or where a we'll panel. A panel, yeah. right, yeah. where you'll have a set of speakers, whether it's in a vendor hall or an actual session or you know, lunchtime, that kind of thing. So each event is so unique, it, it kind of depends. Yeah. But I think, generally, there's that push to get speakers, but, and I don't like to make generalizations, but a few of us might be a little introverted, right? So they, uh, well, they're they not is, necessarily marketing which specialists. Which is, which is
0: why I'm asking the question of, uh, because uh, again, in my experience, and Eric, you were shaking your head too, the, uh, nodding on this, because uh, in my experience, most of the organizing teams are not doing that. They're not pushing, they're not asking. I think it's great when they do. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. right. I, I was just uh, spoke at SharePoint Saturday Los Angeles, which I helped start back in 2010. And they a number of times ask the speakers to please come on out of the speaker room and come you know participate and engage with and uh, in sessions, and I'm like you know I'm like yeah you're right we've been in here too long.
2: Don't want to say we're a clique, but sometimes <laughs> we do. Well, we know each other. We're yeah, comfortable. Yeah, we catch we're up. Friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: it's important but that you s- that you impress upon especially speakers because they get into a groove. You know, you get into a groove. You know what to expect but there's still a whole lot of runway to learn about yourself and how you interact with these folks Um, there's a lot of room to uh, grow into your career by by broadening yourself and being available you know there's a lot of things that you pick up on a lot of nuance uh, in conversation that you pick up on when you're out there and actually having you know conversations outside of the speaker wherever it might be whether it's SharePoint Saturday whether it's you know, at a conference in the middle of the hallway here at the hub, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, you have to be Living. yeah, you have to be open to um, to be impressed upon. Otherwise, you're just going through the motions. Well, you're kind of
2: missing a piece if you're assuming that we as speakers have the knowledge and you're not communicating with that community. Well, I'm assuming we you have well, some
0: of the knowledge, Susan, he, to be speaking <laughs> <laughs> But
2: we don't have the knowledge of the yeah. entire community. Correct. right? Yeah, I yeah. mean,
0: In every scenario and all right, so that there's a right.
2: lot to yeah. learn from the different industries, right, as you go to different areas and things like that, that you're gonna do better for yourself and understand more how technologies can apply. If you spend some time invested in listening, to the community and hearing what they're struggling with and what they're having, what they're trying to find solutions for, and not assuming that we have all the answers and we just have to dish it out. Well,
0: as a product marketing guy, I mean, I look at this. I, I, it, it is exactly that. It, it is a you know, it's a front line connection to the community in various roles and and you know user scenarios and to test out ideas and to get feedback on things and and hear. Um, you know, if I were, I'm not currently in a product building, I'm not a, you know, the, don't work for an ISV, um, but getting feedback in areas, it, it it does identify where there are gaps. And, hey, there may be a business opportunity around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you, you find that out by interacting with, you know, the, with customers and with a variety of customers in other regions. It's, and you can, again, test out theories to see if this something that is going to, uh, you know, scale, you know beyond my small community.
3: As we're sitting here discussing this, I'm thinking about the events that I've attended over the years and getting speakers out of the the speaker room and engaging more with the community. And I think there's a couple of mindsets that are kind of going into it. When a speaker is getting ready to deliver a session, they're reviewing their slides, they're, they're locked in for a little while. So like, looking back, I see the speaker room is usually packed in the morning and then as they start delivering sessions they start leaving the speaker room and they start heading to other sessions and engaging in networking there they start spending time out with the vendors or you know in the in the common areas and starting to engage a little bit more but a lot of the the networking that i see does happen as we get toward the end of the day and to the sharepoint because that responsibility is speaking and prepping the decks and everything that's gone and they can start to engage my favorite sessions personally are the ones where other speakers show up and they are interactive like if some i i would be the first one to tell you if i don't know the answer to something i'll tell you i don't know but i'm going to look that up for you or can we park and lock this and you know i'll come back Which to it. a great way
0: to respond i yeah. you know i used to hear in the early days i've not heard much about this of, of other speakers in there and some people that, that are a bit more uh, uh, uh critical of of the quality of other speakers and, and getting in there and uh, uh, y- you know interrupting and and, and I was hijacked and, once yeah.
2: strongly and people actually had to because st- I'm not always assertive and this is in the early days and somebody actually kind of had to step in. You have to and learn and to pivot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So,
0: so one of my best experiences in this was and everybody knows him uh, is with and I'll call him out is is Richard Harbridge. It's the first time I ever met him it was an event. So I was uh, it was actually I was doing the best practices event. In DC, DC. <laughs> and then Baltimore was that weekend and so I went over and did were you involved Eric with Baltimore too Yeah, I was in my room sick the entire time I did two sessions at both events only came out of my room to do my sessions and I don't remember was heavily medicated and still did it yeah, for the non yeah, I, it was, I was drunk on cough syrup, yes. No, <laughs> no but, I'm just uh, talking about uh, myself, that <laughs> Baltimore event. But it was, so those two events, uh, so I sat in the session, and honestly, I don't, it was, it was like my, I was so sick, like the head floating above the ground, I couldn't, you know. And Richard apparently disagreed with some of the things and made a bunch of points. And, and my, and people were angry on my behalf at Richard for inserting it. He made great comments. I'm like, yeah, you're right. No, I actually I don't know the answer to that one. Let's go. And I did that. I don't know the answer, Let's. I'll go find out. And we actually had a conversation later, he apologized. I'm like, apologize for what? I wasn't it's offended.
3: I we're, like, we're here to grow, like when you challenge me, right. that means I can go back and learn something new. Or if I don't know the answer, if you can fill in the gap, we've all learned from it and we've all benefited from it.
0: Well, think of that too as a presenter. I'm not gonna have every answer, I'm not gonna have every scenario, people will ask questions. What I do, there's a number of topics that I speak on where I do it a, a, a number of times. It is updated almost every single time I give that because I'll find out this answer or that this content didn't go over well or it didn't resonate or people ask these questions and I go in and answer those within so those presentations get
1: better in I, theory. I think that's that's <laughs> really important too going forward because you know, we we focusing a lot on, you know, just the SharePoint keyword of this. You know, we've collapsed the, the SharePoint part of it and, and introduced the events as just, you know, all technology Microsoft really and it doesn't even have to be Microsoft we've had a lot of AWS things and and that sort of thing come about but um, I make that point because now that we're mostly cloud focused in a lot of our technology the technology is literally changing so fast if you have all the answers you've either been focused on literally one little minute aspect of that technology or you work for the product group or something who built it. Right. You know, the fact that you don't know something is very common now, especially in, uh, you know, my world from a from a career perspective, but uh, as well with SPS events it's, you know, you, you can't know all those things unless you've been really dug in really, really deep. And as a speaker, you know, if you're going into someone else's session, there's a way to, you know, Wordsmith the conversation to bend towards getting the point out there that maybe the speaker is not exactly correct, and maybe you can add to that point in, in a in a good way that's not going to derail the entire conversation. But at the same time, as a speaker, you need to be open to the fact that yeah, what you're talking about may have just changed last week and is currently wrong. And I've been in okay. the middle
3: of a presentation and went to a sub menu, returned back to like a document library in SharePoint, for instance and this is in SharePoint Online, went to the sub-menu, classic user interface when I left, and when I returned, it switched over to modern. So right <laughs> in the middle of the presentation, a new feature rolls out.
0: And then you pause <laughs> and set, tell, turn to the room and say, that was planned. <laughs> yeah, I did that on purpose.
3: <laughs> Join yeah. me. We're going down the rabbit hole. This is the first time we're seeing this live. Yep. Uh,
0: that, it, it is exciting. But, but there's also, I think that's you, you need to be, as a participant, be gracious about that, point out something like, well, you know, actually, here's what we found, or, you know, actually, this this changed, or, you know, there's there's ways to, to do that without being the the, the jerk, the heckler that's, uh, you know. Well, even
3: see. then, there's a couple of different ways to approach certain topics or certain challenges. Like, I might do something this way, and you might do it, you know, a different way. We're getting to a similar result. It's just two different ways of looking at it. And sometimes having that countering perspective is really helpful because then you can think about it. is this the best approach? Or... Why am I approaching it like this? Is it because this is all I knew and you know, there's this other avenue to get to, to the same spot?
2: Well, one thing I wanted to interject is since this is a podcast and you're speaking about the participants, it would be kind of nice to start finding ways to get information back from our attendees. Because One of the things we talked about in the um, unconference session was the kind of, or maybe it was the inclusivity event that I went to also. But one of the things when we request information or we do an evaluation of the entire event, we get stuff about the food, we get stuff about the rooms too cold, we get things like too many sessions, not enough sessions, too long of sessions. We really need more about case studies or topics or that kind of thing, because we're trying to provide value. So we need to somehow find a way to work with the community to let them know what will be valuable feedback to organizers so that we can do a better job a lot of this kind of thing because we have no money we have no budget or we're using a venue that we're either paid for or free we can't control the temperature in the room you know layer you know take some responsibility for how you dress when you come to an event we can't control the weather we can't control the traffic but we can control the topics the length of the topics the number of sessions so try to work with us and let us all be a group that works towards trying to get more to the community that they're looking for.
3: We had the the situation with the temperature in the rooms uh, in Charlotte in August. It was really, really cold um they had prepared for like a 90 degree day outside and it was overcast and a little cloudy that day and they had the ac on full blast and it was really really cold
2: at least you had sweatshirts so, <laughs> so that,
3: that w- sounds wonderful to me so, so we had a we had a really great sponsor uh, jeff Abels from c5 insight uh, wanted to uh do hoodies and so we had 150 hoodies that we gave away um, as part of his sponsorship and Our event's in August in Charlotte, North Carolina. It is typically 90 degrees and sunny and just hot. And as we're leading up to the event, I'm thinking we are absolutely crazy to give away hoodies in Charlotte in August. But it actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise because everybody put on the hoodies. Everyone complimented or or commented in the surveys that we gave. Um, about the hoodies. They're like, this is the best. Like How smart that was to have. Yeah. And they were nice hoodies. Yeah.
2: We, ours are here in the booth. They're really yeah, I've soft. I've got mine
3: as well. But <laughs> the, the thing about um, the feedback, um, we're very persistent uh, with our group in the way that we market and solicit feedback from, from our audience. Yeah, so how
0: is it? Because that's a big question. I mean, because a lot of surveys, post-event <laughs> surveys and speaker surveys, you, you, you have the, the the people that are, it's, thank you, say five, fantastic. I thought it was great. There's no actual learning from that, like why was it great? And then the people like hated it, number one, you like, and there's, there's nothing in between. So I, I get very little as a speaker, just historically, I've gotten very little learning guidance out of that, that method. Uh, as an organizer, I mean, we do, we do kind of the same thing. We do now for our events, and the multiple, our SharePoint events, the blockchain event, you know, we do the just the end of event survey, and all up, and allow them to talk about what are the sessions that you really enjoyed, or the speakers, and so it's more kind of an open form, but it, it encourages, uh, you know, a narrative versus marking off a number five and no detail of why it was a five.
3: So we gamify the way that we solicit survey results from users. First off, we use Microsoft Forms because we can use it, and it's free, and it can be public facing, mm-hmm. so we don't have to pay for you know another third-party product. And with Forms, we get a QR code. So what we do is um, we put it on uh, a sign outside every door, QR code's there, scan it on your phone, simple, easy, take it and you can move on. We put it in the program guide. So we actually print out a, a program guide and um, uh, we put it in there, but we gamify it and we, we tell the users for every session that you give us a, um, a survey result on, we're gonna enter you one time into, uh, into the raffle for items at the end of the day. And fortunately we've had a budget to be able to give away um, uh, quite a bit at some of our events, and that's been really helpful. But for every survey that you submit, including the keynote, um, you can get, depending on if we have four or five blocks, you can have four, five, six entries in in the raffle at the end of the day. So gamifying has been a, a big help for us. And we also try to use open-ended questions. Okay, rate this on a scale of one to five, five being the highest. Well, that doesn't provide a whole lot of information. What did you enjoy about the session? Um, what would you like to see you know, kind of in the future? So we ask some open-ended questions to try to get them to engage. And some of the, the, the best feedback we've gotten is through those open-ended questions. But we've also, um, tying um, forms into like Microsoft Flow, we've been able, and we can do that for free as well. So we've been able to kind of automate some of the process. So as this stuff comes in, we can filter by the speaker and then we can automatically email them the results afterward. And it's a lot of, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to set it up in the beginning. And I don't have to worry about getting the results out after the event when we're trying to break down everything and, you know, go home and SharePoint or whatever. So taking advantage of those tools that we have, automating some of it, that's been a big help.
2: That's that's good for the mm. speaker evals, but one thing I would say my, I fail on is not having enough volunteers in our organization because for the post-event you really need to read the post-event, right? You can't just funnel those out to the people who are doing the speaking. The organizers need, and if it's just one or two people, I can tell you, we used to try to do the day after my event. We'd sit around my dining room table and have a brunch and try to go through them. I'm so exhausted that there's, I'm like, I don't care, right? The event went off, we had food, people, you know, when I saw them, they seemed happy. I'm like, are we doing it next year or not? Because I don't have enough organizers, so I—that's what I need to fix and correct. Um, because well, the, we should be trying to get better. And
0: I think it's part of your point too is that the, I think there's a little bit of setup up front to get that to to make it easier on life later. I was just thinking of going back to the con- the question of connecting, like these special these events with the like the monthly the regular user group type activities. And it's actually one of the most valuable tools from doing the an, our annual SharePoint event, and doing the survey and getting feedback on topics. What were the topics that were most successful? What did we miss? What would you, what did you expect to see that you didn't? And then incorporate and that, Hey, do can we fill those gaps with the user group, and bring in speakers around these different topics? So that's something we regularly well, do. Well,
2: one thing that. We're no longer running a a SharePoint user group. There is a SQL user group that's run separately. But one thing that was super successful when we were was in the speaker room, we had a whiteboard up and I usually had my entire year of speakers filled from the people who were coming from everywhere saying, oh, I want February, I want March. So, you know, they were signing up so at the end of that SharePoint Saturday this was we the takeaway that group. I had
0: from the unconference too as we were discussing um, the various tools that we use and we were talking about Meetup and Eventbrite and we talked about Sessionize. and, and Andy it was you that talked about using Sessionize, and who, who brought up that like on an annual basis doing a push out there and using Sessionize to get speakers to fill for the user group? Um, Was that that wasn't you then it was it was it was part of the
3: conversation where I I think I'd mentioned um, curating kind of a content contact database of like um, attendees for the event. But also somebody I think chimed in with like doing the same thing or trying to like set one up for the speakers and Sessionize is a great way to centralize that because as a speaker I can go in put my profile all the sessions that I'm interested in delivering and then the organizing
0: committee go through and rate and everything. So Sessionize is a fantastic tool for that. The, and and while it's a a paid platform for nonprofit for these free events like that we're talking about doing these community based events they'll waive the fees and so it's this great tool but I never thought of I thought of it as this we're using it you know a couple times a year for these events um, I, I didn't think of of doing like hitting the entire database of uh, you know pushing well sending the, the the link to the session eyes but opening up a session eyes for anybody of like, what are the, you know, what topics would you be interested in speaking on? And pushing it out to anyone, the community, so local speakers that have, anybody that's come through our region before, and from that, then go and say, okay, here's all these topics, and then reach out. It's like, now I know 10 people that want to speak on Power Apps. Let me go see who, if somebody's available for January, and
3: line them up. Um, you can also go to, um Microsoft Teams put together a public team that's open uh, for community organizers. And it's, uh, it, it spans a whole plethora of different um, applications. But uh, I've seen a lot of engagement in there. Like um, users go in, like we've got this event coming up or you know we've got a monthly meeting coming up, anybody interested. And um, through the, the, the technology that we have now, we've been able to do in some cases some virtual sessions. So like, we can get a speaker that we might not normally be able to get but have them come through virtually through something like Teams. But Teams does have that community organizer public portal that you can go and uh, join and in as the, well.
2: The larger tech community, which is here in the yeah. community center, they also have something. And I just reached out to them uh, probably in this last month and said, you know, a SharePoint Saturday organizers. Yeah. And the whole and team is here if you want to go yeah, talk to them exactly. as well. I would so
3: like to see us, though, kind of move into fewer channels if we can um, and try to support one. And I think Sessionize has actually been doing – uh, a lot of uh, a lot of that because it does span the local events but it also spans some of the conference events and from a speaker perspective it's a central place to kind of manage that's that's been the yeah. real value for that
2: well we had that years ago didn't we yeah yes yeah. yeah, yeah. so that's come and gone and yeah. it's back again and there was another talk from Microsoft
0: was, and Microsoft was going to come out and yet again they they talked at uh, two of the MVP summits they had sessions where they were starting to build a platform, and the idea was that you as a speaker, you build a profile, you're in there, all the topics, the regions that you're available, sponsors, locations could be in there, and then they killed the whole thing.
2: You uh, were involved, Eric was heavily involved what in my, building my that. My understanding
0: of why that was killed was ultimately Microsoft came to the clu- conclusion, and I have to agree that they shouldn't be, well, it was supposed to be neutral. Like, y- you could go in there and run an AWS event from those resources and leverage all of that, and have zero Microsoft technology. They wanted to do something for the community and the community, uh, you know, the, the event organizers, uh, and uh, and so they said, you know what, we should not be building this. You know, just the fact that our, you know we're funding and leading it, uh, and so the, and they stepped away. They they tabled the whole thing. But I was going to a- kind of ask along those lines too, Eric, like on the sponsorship side of it, because that is a question, especially for people that are new to building. You know anything within community, is you know how, where do you get started with, and what are the learnings around yeah.
1: sponsors? So, the first thing I think you have to come to conclusions on is exactly what do you need to fund, right? That that coming f- up through when when on-prem SharePoint and SharePoint Saturdays as a whole were, you know, commanding seven eight hundred people at events. The, the overhead to run those events could get pretty high um, as the demand met um, the the funding dollars it was very easy to, to collect a lot of money you know to turn that back into that same event and you know do good prizes or whatever it might be SharePoint or SharePoints that are sponsored even paying for hotels for speakers to come out um, that's obviously not the case anymore and I think the the best thing that I would Suggested to kind of take away from all of it is what do you have to fund and what what's going to make your event successful so a a good scenario is is like this you know we we had an event literally almost canceled because they just assumed that lunches and speaker dinners and share pints and giveaways and, and was mandatory and from the beginning it's only been a platform to get speakers to deliver content, valuable, reliable content to underserved communities, then those communities grew up and they weren't underserved anymore. They just happened to be other events that kept happening on an annual basis. So now we fast forward and we, we're kind of almost going back to the grassroots side of it, which I think is good. You know, It's a lot less headache. Don't get me wrong. You know. I, I would love to win an Xbox every time I go to a, an event, but you know just having pizza or even no pizza, like the food truck out in the yeah. in the courtyard that 's okay and that's you can have a successful event and have literally no money invested i I assure you it has happened, um, so I think it 's really just a level set of um, why you 're there, what you 're actually trying to accomplish um, you know have that conversation with yourself and really come to grips on on what you're doing and what you're spending your time working on
2: one of the things we have over in our SharePoint Saturday booth we have the big board where people are writing up all the different events they've been to but we also had one person write up it'd be nice to get information on how to run an event how to get sponsors and so we put mentorship and really, but, that kind of. You guys goes had a packet you wrote years yeah. ago, and we still we do have the packet. Yeah. But but the packet's one thing. But having somebody that we could say, here's somebody you can reach out to. Yeah. I think we should probably try to go with that a little bit and come up, and we could probably email organizers and say, hey, if you're, be be f- exactly, yeah. if you're willing to be exactly, if you're willing to be a volunteer, I'll sign and we up. add a tab <laughs> to our page and say, here are people. If you're interested in starting a SharePoint Saturday, yeah. they have volunteered to help mentor. Yeah. And I think it, you know that would be a big easy thing to do.
0: Yeah. Well, and I look at the, the Part of what I, I mean, you guys, all, you know, know is part of the my, my history with SharePoint Saturday. When I joined an ISV in 2009 and and attended, um, so uh, couldn't make it to San Francisco, but attended the first one on Red, the Redmond campus on Microsoft campus in November. It was after the SharePoint conference in 2009, but so November of 2009, and it wasn't. It was fine. It wasn't. As well attended as every other one that I helped organize after that, point pride with me you know, that <laughs> able to, to, to you know to make that a very successful event. But um, was uh, um, the uh, uh, well, I, uh, you know Actually, I'm, so I, I wanted to talk about. Uh, to, sorry, I have like conflicting thought processes here. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, we saw with um, Bend is I always thought is a great Kind of example of the barely above free you know of, of, of everything we had a free venue um, we had uh, you know redmond got more and more expensive um having it there on microsoft you'd think that we would have just the money flowing in we had to fight for every dollar that we got from sure. we got a little bit of funding from microsoft and then bring other vendors in because everybody just wanted to be there but nobody wanted to help pay for it kind of things and um, Bend was was like the opposite. It was like there's a very small community. The most we ran that for four years, and the highest number of attendees we ever had was ninety eight. It was fantastic event.
2: Yeah. There's uh, no n- right number, right. right? It could be ten people. It, it doesn't have. And also, we're not talking about only events, right? I mean, it could right. be user groups Correct. and things. But um, the whole point is, are you sharing information and are you networking? That's really the point of community, right? Is
3: I think in, having
2: that kind of exchange
3: I think in organizing any of these events uh, you need to be flexible and in some cases you need to be creative in, in how you're gonna try to approach it like so the grassroots sponsorship like the last couple of years it's gotten harder to get companies to come in because they're like yeah it's the same user list from the last time or you know we don't do a whole lot of business in, in this particular region so you have to kind of think outside of the box like what can we do to be able to fund this so it starts with your with the location can we get a cheaper location so we talked uh, in that uh, in the unconference session yesterday like um figuring out a location and there were like uh the co-opting or co-working places yep. and then um there were a couple other points that were that were made like uh trying to find maybe somebody that they might not be willing to sponsor for dollars but maybe they have like a a number of like uh the classrooms, like a training center, for instance, that they would be willing to—that would be the exchange. So that would be the swap. Um, food. Um, yeah, food trucks are awesome. They're they're kind of the hot thing, and you can you know be pretty flexible with that. But also, like you could go in some cases to like some small little franchises or um, little um, chains and ask, would you be willing to uh, trade you know food for education? And I mean, the worst I think they could do is say yes, and then you know. Yeah.
0: I'm trying to remember somebody. I, I don't remember which event I wasn't there for it, but they, w- one of the organizers, had this speaker dinner at their house, and they barbecued. Joel yeah. Yeah. just
2: did, yeah, right? Did. That was that was yeah. one more recent Joel one. Joel Olson yeah. just. Yeah. did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when well I did, or in early early days, <laughs> so back in the 2009.
1: I think Mark Rackley did as well.
3: Doesn't
2: and speaker. some of mine was maybe almost like the share pint originally was at our house, but in the smaller days, yeah, folks came to our but house. This as is well. Get but a couple of the speakers stuff.
3: together and uh, and uh, do, do kind of potluck. Yeah. Yeah. Go find Tasha Scott and see if uh, she'll cook for it uh, for yeah. yeah. you. You know she yeah. would. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm still trying to get Chick Fil A to sponsor. That's all. That's my goal. Once, <laughs> once Chick Fil A sponsors, like nah, we're all good. I think
3: just get get creative in your approach. Like you might not necessarily get dollars, but there there's different ways that you can kind of Hard. kind of work well, with it
0: mentioned earlier before we started here so one of the things that uh so i think we were you know we started this of the creating the web only sponsorship so it was you know like 200 250 300 yeah. so it was a way that you know people didn't want to you know Buy a table. They're like, look, we can't be there, but we'd still like to support. And we and our feedback was always, if you want to send a raffle item, that's fine.
2: I see. money does that for you know, us every year. Yeah. You know, so, I, so that kind of thing. A I, said, web I said,
0: but I said we do need some cash. I said, could you do like. Hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, and we'll list you as one of those other web sponsors. And we started seeing strong support there. Something new that we did this last year, and we had three or four people pick up on it, was community sponsorship. So it wasn't there wasn't a vendor; they weren't a consulting company, they weren't a product company, but they just wanted to send employees to the event. They threw in a couple hundred bucks, so we called it like the community sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to. Test this out again. Build on it this this next year. So it's again to say, hey, we'd like to keep doing this. It's almost like you know public access, to, you know, public television. PSA. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, right. It's like you know, hey, help. We we just do this once a year. Can you help make sure that we can continue doing
3: this? So somebody made the point yesterday on those same lines um, uh, that maybe the company would be willing to wet their employees off work on Friday and then they attend like the event on Saturday as like a training and education initiative. And so that's kind of in, in a similar vein. Maybe they would contribute um, financially to help run the event and then send their employees. And it becomes kind of a local training event and it reaches some of those pockets that don't necessarily get the, the conference uh, circuit or um, the bigger events in their area.
1: Well, that's, that's a great segue from some of the conversations we were having earlier. You know, two parts, right? So one, how did these events need to be elastic to, you know, be more appropriate as things change, is, you know, do we start thinking about weekdays, right? Do we start thinking about offloading? We took SharePoint out of the name because we knew the product lines were going to expand way past SharePoint, so now it's just SPS events. Does does the Saturday need to come out of it? And then in addition to that, going forward, really long-term, how do we, even here at Ignite, you can pay to come to the conference, you know, there's flights, uh, the passes, the hotel stay, the food, like, it's expensive. Or, you can go online after the event and watch all the sessions. Like, they, they pretty much broadcast everything. So, at some point going forward, we're going to have to figure out what keeps this thing valuable, what keeps community valuable, in-person community valuable. Does it eventually go virtual? Do we have some kind of tie-in across those two, uh, those two worlds to keep people engaged, keep people learning, and and have those communities continue to grow. I mean, that's
3: that's where my mind's always focused on. Like, what's next and how are we going to get there? So, this is my first Ignite in person. And the advice that I've, I've, I've gotten over and over and over again yeah, is networking. Yeah. yeah. You go. can see all the yeah. sessions later on, you, yeah. they're all recorded. It's the networking and the conversations, like the conversation that we're having, which is a continuation of an unconference session and a booth session that, that's been going on. It's the networking. Um, and I think that's the 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 SBS, uh, thing. It's the networking. I mean, you go in, you learn something in a session. It's fifty minutes, sixty minutes, but it's the conversation. It's building the network. It's the career growth. Like you know, you're unhappy here. Maybe I go over there and I talk to this person and see you know. And that's and true it's for gross. user groups
0: as well. But it's my my the favorite moments, the things that I remember and where I get value. Personally and professionally is in the conversations that happen before and on the breaks and after, you know, the event. I might really enjoy a topic, be very interested in that, but there's going to be multiple ways to consume that content. You know. Uh, but, and, but to ask questions, and the, it's the interaction that drives the, the live events. I mean, I, I, we again, we, we had this conversation a couple times over the last two days here um, that I, I, I don't think it makes sense for a user group to go entirely virtual. I know it's convenient that way, but you lose something sure. with that. Absolutely. And, I think and so a, it should be a mix of those a things.
2: A lot of that, and uh-oh. Did you guys get cut off? We out
0: of time? Are we
2: recording on your phone?
0: No.
1: Looks like we're still going.
0: Yeah, well, I, just our, our sound dropped out.
2: I guess I'm surprised it didn't. Do
0: well. well, we've got another fifteen minutes. Yeah. Goes till ten after. I, you guys keep talking. I'll be
2: right back. Well, does, does <laughs> That way. Are
0: there other ones? I might have to do some editing in the middle of this. Okay.
3: Remove the swearing. <laughs> just put static. Yeah.
2: Everything turned off? Yep. Well, our, our we sound, our,
0: so we can't hear anything. So cool. is it still recording? The, uh, yeah, it's
2: recording.
1: Yeah, I yeah, oh, just... Oh, now.
2: it just, oh, just popped and that went oh, away. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I didn't touch anything.
0: Yeah. Nice going, Eric. <laughs> nope. I guess I you will be anything. editing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. going to leave the fact that Eric broke something because he's no. closest. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> leave it to the PFE. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you. <laughs> Good to
2: see you. Yeah. So to jump into part of what Eric was asking about, what's failed. the what's the <laughs> Value that this is going to provide, and how we how do we flex to keep providing value? I think some of those answers are out there on that community rocks, that big board with a lot of quotes. And
0: saying that makes great value for podcast listeners.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe we should go take a picture and yeah. and put it up on Twitter
3: in the show notes. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's
2: right.
0: Yeah, there's there's a so I mean, we've got a few more minutes here. I mean, other kind of uh, you know takeaways from. Uh, organizing, I think it's we. Uh, people love lists. They love to kind of get things. Okay, what are the five things I need to think about when I'm going in and, and organizing and getting started? I mean, what are kind of the best practices get, for getting Get going a and get mentor started?
2: and work with some other people and what do what we're doing because we're all in our own little tunnels. But I mean, Andy's brought up a lot of tips and they do really great about reaching out and communicating with the, the community. So we, we there's a lot to learn. We
3: also realize um, we've got a good team. Uh, we Our team consists of anywhere from five to eight at any particular point, and so we're able to kind of groupify our efforts, and that's that would be something I would, going into the mentorship thing. You're not alone. You don't have to start from scratch. Reach out. Ask questions. Go on whatever platform you want and talk to other organizers. They're there. They're delivering sessions at all the major conferences that's on how to run. That's why you do you know. community, right? Yeah.
2: Because we're here to help, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of community. Some
3: of us are very passionate about it, mm-hmm. really enjoy you know, just giving back and, and being of service. So if you have questions, you're not alone. You don't have to start over.
0: I've had a couple people that have uh, reached out and said, you know, hey, would you – provide feedback or or would you help out? I'm looking to get started in this. I mean, Eric Overfield does this, is a great example of getting involved. I I know what I was going to say early on too, is that, so I was, you know, in the earlier days of SharePoint Saturday events, I kept flying to the East Coast. And I was like, why are there not any out, there was the one in Redmond and the one in San Francisco, which wasn't very successful, not very well attended, I should say. Uh, It may have been successful in its small way. Um, But, I said, I, I, I'm tired of having to fly from Seattle all the way to the East Coast to attend these events. We like Let's it. do some things out. I, I like Seattle as well. Uh, but no, I mean, we like seeing you on the East oh, Coast. Oh, seeing <laughs> see you out there. But it's, it's uh, you know, to, to be able to go and, and grow the, uh, the the events, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't about, hey, I want to be in charge and run the events. We all know what how much work is involved do we, with organizing those events. I
1: think... You know, the point that I was going to make about tips is kind of piggybacking off of what you were saying is just the idea that you need to be really hyper focused about what you're getting into and picking people to be around you to help carry that burden with you that are reliable. It's a lot more work than it looks like, just Mm -hmm. like most things in life. So
0: that's where I actually struggled with helping start. Los Angeles and Silicon Valley and Sacramento and, and all these other locations was I, I couldn't just hand off. I had to, it took two, three years to find the people who would be responsible and pick up the slack and, right. and own that.
2: And and it's hard to do that remotely too. I mean, there's quite a bit from the venue, the food, that type of thing that you really need some presence. Boots, boots on the ground. Exactly, right, yeah. right. so you, you can't do it Remotely, exclusively. Well, and I you think definitely it, have to. Have it a team. also it,
0: it, in, in well. So Mexico City is a great example. There were two or three years there where there was uh, myself, there was uh, somebody out based out of Phoenix, there was uh, uh, a couple folks from uh, AvPoint that were based out of New York or New Jersey that were we were trying to get Mexico City SharePoint Saturday up off the ground. And we we were we knew that we couldn't just do it. We could we could call and, and reserve a space, we could get caterers, we could do all those kinds of things, find speakers, but we needed to find local people. We just weren't able to get the local community attendee folks list. To right. to uh, participate, to just like, hey we're we're willing to help. We want to see this happen. Let us help you do this, and they just didn't respond. And so then it was like three, four years ago where then the local people, I don't know, woke up and be like, hey, we want to do one of these, and they went and, and finally did it. You, you have to, so I went to communities, I helped spark the activity. My value add in, in Bend and in Sacramento, on each of those was, look, I've done events before, I know the region. I know people personally. I know the, the the community. I'll help seed. I'll help mentor this. But I'm not the guy. I'm not going to run this, you know, ongoing. That's that's fine. We, it, it, and I, I think for some of those communities, they just you just need to reach out to people that you've met from other regions that have done it. Ask questions and connect.
2: Well, so you sparked a lot of those West Coast events, but they've carried on, right? Correct. A lot without you having to be involved. Correct. So. So that's a successful. I ripped model. the band-aid
0: off for a couple of them. I'm okay. just said I will not be attending, I will not be helping out, I just don't have the bandwidth. You guys got it.
2: Fly yeah. baby bird. That's right.
3: <laughs> I've seen some cities, major cities where you would think that they wouldn't have any issue and they've ran events for years and it's been fine. Some of the core have moved on or burned out or just had to step away for a little while. Other people tried to step up and um assume leadership and it didn't work out and so some of those people have had to kind of come back in and it, it does happen people come and go and this is a small part of our life we have you know, families and jobs and things like that we are a volunteer organization <laughs> and so um with that <laughs> and no budget and so you know, if, you know if build the core of the community and try to be flexible and, and, and find reliable people it's hard give opportunities to, to, to new people to, to step up and you know build trust and, and try to continue um, growing uh, the community. Don't try to take it all on by yourself. Try to get involved with other other people and also don't be afraid to say no. If it's not working out, it's just not working out.
2: Yeah, I stepped away for a couple of years for personal reasons and things, you know, until I had That's what it all more bandwidth. Susan, come no, on. <laughs> no, but it kind of gets back to what Eric mentioned earlier too, with some specific events I can think of that were huge events. People fighting, you know, you had to get on a wait list to go, and even sponsors at times being turned away because they wanted to come in, but a part of that, and then the events didn't. They weren't held, right? They became canceled 11th hour. But I think a lot of it was because of a perception of we have to have a speaker dinner, we have to have a big yeah. meal, we we have to have a lot of raffle prizes, things like that. And I, go Eric back and to I have talked
0: about this over the years, I think because we're of the same mind. Of, we, I just, re, again, refer to it as the, you know, the the Boston model. Go back to the basics. Right. You don't need, you don't need, it's nice to have. Like. I, for years, I mean, I loved helping design those T-shirts. I mean, it was like Rackley's cousin SharePoint. or Bron- whatever, <laughs> like all those things. I mean, my favorite one ever was the, the one where we had uh, John Cusack, oh, no, the oh. fifth anniversary oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, for Virginia Beach, where we had the John Cusack from Say Anything holding the giant number five instead of the boom box in front of his Impala. It was awesome. It's my favorite design. Um, I, I love doing that kind of stuff, and it was hard, uh, you know— th- th- I'm trying to remember which event. I think it was Redmond, where we cut the budget for that and we didn't do t shirts. We're like, remove it. We don't have to have it. Yeah. And
2: and w- we haven't done shirts for a while because we yeah. don't get, we're at the holiday times right after holidays. It's hard to get our sponsorship funds in. And so we don't know until the 11th yeah. hour are we going to have things. So we don't, don't do you speaker don't shirts. It. Right. You know, so and
1: that's okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You yeah. know, you, you have to be able to. to uh, to react to what budget you have and what the attendees are demanding. You
2: will get pushback, though. I mean, because yeah, there's sure. an expectation, like at our event, that there's going to be this level of a lunch. So if I do pizza, there's going to be grumbling. But it's free, yeah. and the option is offer, we don't I have always, the event.
0: I always offer money back in those scenarios. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <I will give laughs> we'll you double, double your money. Exactly. Double your money back yeah. if you're not happy. <laughs>
3: Uh, well, it it goes like back. like the, the, the one resource that we do have is, is uh, our people. If we can get them to contribute in some way with the tools that we have, we can do it on a shoestring budget. We can do it maybe for free, but it just takes people volunteering their time and their efforts to do it and, and building the core around that.
0: Yeah. I, you know, there's a lot we can go into. I think was the topic we've not discussed is, you know, finding new speakers and helping people from within the local community kind of rise and come out of that. I've seen that happen in some cases where you have people that were very, you know, humble and, and, and meek and be like, I'm not an expert. I'm like, the secret is most of the experts, quote unquote, are not experts and Nobody can know everything, right. um, but they came in and shared what they knew, what they did. It doesn't mean that it was necessarily all okay or the right way to do that, but here's what we did. Here's how we solved the, these problems. Share your story.
2: That kind of goes to one of the things we used to do in a user group where we'd have, I'm not an expert. We, you know, I can't get up and speak. We would do, come in and do your five minutes on your favorite tip. Our favorite thing you do, so in that case, it was like SQL Server. What's the one thing, or what's your favorite PowerShell script? You know, Just come in and share, here's some keyboard sh- shortcuts I like to use, yep. and that starts them from the, let me think about what I want to talk about, let me put together a one slide or whatever, And it's a beginning. And you could do that even in a SharePoint Saturday. We could do a session of- You
0: know I do that. So Tom Duff and I have where we do the hints and tips. For both of us, it started, it was never meant to be like a presentation, but it was, I love these little hints and tips, these productivity tips. And then we collect them, and then suddenly we do top twenty lists of our top twenty favorite things, and it's a whole session. And people love that stuff. So
3: So, uh, Scott Shear, uh, he does a ton with uh, with Power Automate and Flow, and but one of his favorite sessions is um, tips and tricks with OneNote. He loves delivering that session. He always gets rave reviews about it. How can you it. not love OneNote? It's, I live and breathe in OneNote, So I'm picking
2: him for my event in January. So well. like
3: the the speaker thing, um, our policy in, in Charlotte and our events is we try to give everyone an opportunity. Like if we have 35 people, submit. We'll try to put 35 people in um, out there in front of sessions. And if you're newer, we'll work with you to try and develop your session. and. Um, so we try not to say no it's only when the topic is like really off topic for our event or it doesn't really apply to our audience or it's um a not so thinly veiled sales pitch and you're trying to kind of hijack uh, that that session that uh that will say no i think we've only done that once or twice or if in they've five already years. delivered
2: it that's where i'm starting to see they keep submitting the same session i picked it last year i'm not going to pick it this year i don't want to do a repeat in front so and i'm about to send that out to all my speakers okay it's about time to get your sessions in yeah. but if you submitted one that you gave last week last year now if you submitted it and we didn't pick it that's fine but if we picked it last year i will not be picking you this year for the same session Well, that's
0: something that the organizers you need to be watching for that and be aware of, of uh, don't just pick because uh, that they're a great presenter and yet they're doing the same talk that they've been talking about for the last, you know, year and a half, Two, three. three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for your time, everybody, for uh, for joining us here again. If you're listening in to the podcast here from Microsoft Ignite 2019 and you'd like to get some free Microsoft Surface earbuds, uh, you can go and register at aka.ms slash podcast sweepstakes. That's good until December 15th 2019. And Eric, Susan, Andy, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you, uh, you, Christian. Everybody, thanks for for listening. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. You can find us online at collabtalk.com, as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.